Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 65. All right, guys, it's the uh, final countdown to WWDC. As we're recording this, it's less than a week away, and it'll be even closer by the time our listeners get to hear this. So uh, what's going on? whole lot of nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very slow news week. So, Even the rumors seem to be kind of slow, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, they've, I feel like they've been exceptionally slow or, or um, few and far between this time around. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times it's very focused on hardware, and I, I don't think we're expecting to see a whole lot of hardware this year at WWDC. Uh, the, the two big hardware announcements that we're hoping for, but probably not holding our breath, is a new Thunderbolt display, and there was... Little excitement about that uh, with inventory uh, running out at a number of Apple stores, as well as uh, some speculation that they might try and do a 5K display using an external GPU. Uh, but for the most part, that was just wild speculation, nothing really to back that up. It didn't seem that practical to me because a GPU is something that you want to be able to replace over time. And who would want to buy another 4K dis- or 5K display just because your GPU is getting too slow? Same people who would buy an iMac? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we're kind of been trained to not expect upgradable hardware Yeah. from Apple. Like we might, even, I don't know if we see a new Mac Pro, if that'll, how upgradable that'll be. I definitely don't expect to see a new Mac Pro announced in June. No. There is a little bit more uh, noise about a potential MacBook Pro announced in June. Um, I think we're all pretty hopeful that we'll see a new one in June. There were a few analysts that projected it out closer to Q4 this year. Uh, but there was uh, some stories this week about the possibility that a 13-inch MacBook Pro is already in production. So we might see at least a 13-inch announced. Yeah, that would be a shame because I really want the 15 right now. I'm tired of my old old MacBook. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely ready for an upgrade. I've got one iMac that died that needs to be replaced. And uh, just before when we started recording, I was trying to free up enough hard drive space on my MacBook Pro uh, in order to edit a file. So <laughs> I'm I'm definitely ready for some new hardware. Eh, I'm gonna wait and see what what we get in a new laptop, but. I kind of just want to build another faster Hackintosh yeah, <laughs> or just upgrade my current one. <laughs> you and your Hackintoshes. They're not as portable, though, unless, you get a, unless you're really careful about your laptop choice, right? Well, then it's not upgradable either. I, I wouldn't do a Hackintosh laptop. That would be a pain. My current Hackintosh has a handle, though, so I can carry it around if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the portability we're, uh, we're expecting. No. no. I've got my old. I've got a 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro that I that I use sometimes too. But yeah, that's that's my primary machine right now. It's a 15-inch Retina MacBook from 2013, so it's not the worst case. But I I should have got a bigger hard drive. I regret regret that almost from day one. Yeah. So, so what did you end up getting? Do you have 512? 256. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm struggling with 512 uh, between editing video files and uh, Xcode archives. Yeah, I run out of space pretty fast. If they if they announce new MacBook Pros at Dub Dub at the keynote on Monday and say it's going to be available Tuesday or 
It's available now at the App Store. Up the Apple Store. I'm heading right in there, walking over from Bill Graham or Moscone, and walking right in there and buying a new MacBook. Yeah, maybe if it's really good, I'll do that. But <laughs> well, I think the main thing to expect is a much better CPU and a better graphics card. I still don't expect it to necessarily be a really high-end graphics card that can drive like VR or something like that, but. Um, there's definitely some room for improvement in in that area. The other hardware-related rumors suggest it's going to be thinner, lighter, uh, but there's also going to be the OLED uh, touchscreen for the function keys and maybe Touch ID. I think I like the idea of being able to unlock my computer with Touch ID. There's also rumors that OS X is going to have the ability to unlock your computer with your phone using the Touch ID on your phone. Yeah, see, I'd like that better. Uh, I keep... You know, every couple of months or every year or so, it seems like they come out with an app that lets you do that, whether it's like proximity or something like that to your phone. And they all work for a little bit and then they stop working for whatever reason. And then I like delete them and stuff. So maybe we'll get something cool on that front. Yeah. Wasn't the there, OS, that'd be cool. Yeah. I remember trying to play with one called Knock and it just didn't work with the security on the laptop at work. <laughs> Which is maybe not the best place to play with it, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's one where you're at work, you want your computer to unlock when you walk back up to it or whatever, if you walk away from it. Although, if you have a laptop, you're probably just going to carry it around with you. Yeah, and, you know, you can go off and use the restroom or something and then walk back up to it. I'm, I'm not one of those people that takes my laptop into the restroom. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not one. So much more efficient if you do that, though. <laughs> then you get called out for camping. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. And with Touch ID, if they do add that to the MacBook Pro, um, we could see Apple Pay on the desktop, which could be interesting as Apple's working to add uh, Apple Pay uh, to mobile web applications. Uh, so we might see that on the desktop as well. And with uh, there was a article today that. Currency, which is an Apple Pay alternative that doesn't use the credit card networks, uh, has suspended their beta testing and postponed any further releases. So, um, you know that that's probably a real good sign for Android Pay and Apple Pay. Uh, consumers most likely are adopting that quicker than the alternatives. Is that the one that was targeting retail stores, like? Grocery stores and whatnot. Yeah, currency retailers, especially the big retailers, really like currency because it basically cuts out the the credit card companies. Uh, so uh, the retailer gets to save the money on the credit card fees that uh, they're currently being forced to pay by the credit card companies. Yeah, I think like the some the Walmart chief marketing officer was the head of currency. Yeah, so like a company like Walmart is paying. You know, well over a billion dollars a year just in transaction fees uh, with uh, the credit card companies today. Yeah, and there's really small margins, I think, in in the grocery business. So that'll any little bit will help a bunch. Like, I mean, a billion dollars, I'll take a free billion dollars. Why not? <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, currency is so uh, clunky in the user experience, at least the versions that I had seen that it really wasn't very user centric. Um, if Apple were to open up the NFC chip to third party apps, I think we'd probably see a, a very different solution and I'd probably see Apple Pay being, uh, having much stronger competition with some of these alternative payment mechanisms. But, and for that reason, I don't think we're going to see Apple 
open up an SDK for the NFC chip this year? Probably not ever, because it didn't help Android out to have an open NFC chip, at least the, was it Android Pay or Google Pay, whatever they were calling it. It didn't help that out. I have to admit, it was was really nice. I was at uh, Alex's office today, actually, worked there for a little bit, and I had a Android test device that I needed to hook up to his Wi-Fi, and I could just go over and tap on a little NFC tag they had on the wall, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, I got Wi-Fi. So it was super convenient to be able to do that. Made a little ding noise, and it was connected to the internet. <laughs> that is nice. But you could scan a QR code, right? Wouldn't that be about the same? Oh, you have to open no. up an app. <laughs> <and scan laughs> Alex, I'm trolling. I know. I know. You successfully <laughs> got me that time. <laughs> Damn you, Sam. Well, that's what that's what currency was. You had to yeah. scan a QR code. That's yeah. Anything that starts with scan a QR code yep. should be followed no, up. With, no good. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think all this is good news for Apple Pay. I think we'll hear some more about that at DubDub this year. Speaking of DubDub, Apple also updated their iOS app as well as uh, extended it to tvOS. Uh, so they've got a, a placeholder schedule out there for uh, for next week. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of the names are are fictitious placeholders and, until they announce all the new stuff. But uh, And bad Swift code. Yeah, there's a there's a handful of legitimate uh, sessions on there, like what you would expect of what's new in Swift and things like that. Yeah, no, the, the code names for the sessions that they always put in, these this year they're all in Swift, but it's kind of a mix of Swift 3 and 2 syntax. It's a little awkward. Yeah, so it's it's pr- pr- probably from the marketing team. I don't I don't know if the developers well, came up with the names, but most of their developers don't program in Swift anyway. True, but uh, so you know what the main thing you're picking on is the inconsistent use of the um, first parameter name. That's what bugged me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with Swift three, they've they've you know we've talked about it before. They've changed their mind again on how they want to do that as the default. Uh, so in S- Swift 3, it's uh, going to be required by default. And then I assume you can still override it and say you don't want a, a, a name, require a name for the first parameter. But by default, it will. So one thing I, I noticed with the the schedule, it seems like there's fewer sessions this year. I feel like there were at least five or six rooms at any given hour. And this year, there's an average of four. Yeah, were there any years, or were there any session blocks where there was more than four? Because I don't remember anything. I don't think there was any more than four. There were a couple that were less than four. Yeah. I didn't see any, yeah. But the layout is different this year, too. Yeah. Because they've got the labs split between the top floor and the bottom floor. Yeah, so maybe a little bit more lab-heavy and a little less session-heavy. Yeah, I feel like, you know, okay, if you got roughly 5,000 people in attendance that, and you're going to split these between four rooms, and Presidio is always the big one, so probably the lion's share goes there, but it's three other satellite sessions to absorb, say, 3,000 people, maybe, or maybe yeah. maybe more. Yeah, and now, I don't know if we're really expecting a whole lot of, like, really major new features this year, you know, maybe an SDK for Siri, um... You know, there might be some... I'm not even convinced that we'll see watchOS and tvOS updates, considering it hasn't been that long since the last one. But, you know, maybe they wait till the fall when they announce new hardware for that. But 
if we do see updates, I don't expect anything major to come out of them. I, I think we'll see updates. They've had a while to work on this. You know, the, the maintenance teams have been running with the, the OS releases as of late, as well as Xcode, which you can kind of see that, I think. But Maybe definitely... We a, see, do we... We don't have the uh, search SDK yet on, on tvOS, do we? No. It's been opened up to a few more people, a few more um, third parties, but for the most part, it hasn't been open to the public like it was promised. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did they ever say it was open? Is going to be open to the public, or was it more just like, and search stuff? More search stuff is coming. So I believe Tim Cook said it in an interview somewhere. Okay. Yeah, and they definitely stressed that you know part of the the value proposition of the the search was it would go across multiple apps. Um, which it does, just it's a it's a cherry picked grouping of apps. Yeah, it's more like the current Siri partners, and that it's you know if you hang out with Eddie Q at the Warriors games, then they give your developers <laughs> uh, the magical API. Yeah, well, it's probably just them kind of working out how it's going to go and you know, what are the pitfalls and and things they need to watch out for. Yeah, and you know, there's the obvious ones like Hulu and Netflix. That, you know, that's what, you know, that's probably like 80% or more of the usage of the Apple TV anyway. I think all the major U.S. networks are hooked up to it now for their apps, which right. you have to have like a cable service or some of them you have to just pay for. Like CBS, I think you have to pay them an extra fee just to get their stuff, don't you? For CBS, so yeah. Awesome. And it's not yeah, commercial they, free. They got kind of crazy with it all, so I stopped watching that stuff. Yeah, there's some rumors that you know apple will have a amazon echo competitor and that seems very likely that that'll happen sometime in the near future but i don't know if we'll see that this year some people speculate the apple tv will be the device um where the echo apple flavor of echo lives but i don't know how likely that is maybe a new one or something that has a mic on it right if they talk about you know we're going if you if you see some kind of Echo-like features being added to tvOS and that you would maybe use through the Siri remote, then they're going to announce a, some hardware in the fall that says, yep, here's our little Echo thing. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Amazon has Echo functionality on the Fire TV, so it's not like a full-fledged Echo, but it's got a yeah. lot of the same capabilities. Yeah, it doesn't have the far-field mics, I believe. Apple has acquired several companies in the voice AI space, um, most notably uh, Vocal IQ, which is supposed to be better than in terms of recognizing context and remembering context over the course of multiple uh, sessions. Uh, it's supposed to be better than a lot of the competitors. So, But Apple still ties their hands and everything's done locally so they don't track any of that data server-side. Well, that, the actual speech recognition, though, is done server-side. Yeah, and I, I that's done primarily by Nuance, which is, um, I know Viv uses Nuance, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of the others like Amazon use Nuance as well. Is that the people that used to make Dragon? I believe I they so, still yeah. do. Yeah, so okay. I, I think they own a lot of the patents in that space, so you're to some degree forced to go through them. Yeah, they've, they've been at it for a long time, so I imagine they do own quite a few patents. So... Is there anything you guys are really hoping to see announced at DubDub on Monday? Kind of going along the same lines. Somebody 
suggested this the other day of a kind of text-based interface to Siri. You know, that whole AI assistant concept is cool, but there's definitely times when you don't want to talk to your phone, you know, but you do want to ask Siri to, I don't know, uh, record a show for you, or um, do I have any meetings today, or what's the weather? Uh, so it'd be kind of cool to see a text-based interface and the build on top of that have the ability for third-party apps to have an extension for that, kind of like a Slack bot style integration. Or a Zork. <laughs> You've been eaten by a Gru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems like it, it could probably merge with Spotlight too, because I got to imagine you're not going to have like five different ways to activate some type of search thing, especially it seems like the rumor is Siri is going to come to, to OS ten. And you're not going to have a Siri thing up in the top corner and a little magnifying glass thing to activate. Yeah, it seems like they should be, I agree, uh, they should be merged. And whether you are using voice or text, it's essentially the same interaction. Yeah. So Argo, is there anything in particular you're looking for? I, I still want them to do a UX kit thing, but I don't think they will. Oh, you stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the obvious thing that people want. But yeah, it just seems like I don't know what it is this year, but I've got really low expectations because I just haven't heard anything. So I'm just like expecting there to be nothing really that cool. And then I'll hopefully be excited when all the cool stuff comes. Yeah, I think that's my feeling, too. It's, I'm just normally I'm really curious about all the rumors and refreshing Mac rumors site all the time and lately i've just been like okay whatever's gonna come it's gonna come and i'll either like it or hate it yeah i think part of it is like ios is a pretty mature thing at this point so there's not as many obvious things that are messed up that they need to to add yeah they got copy and paste and mms messages as well so what more do they need right (laughs) Uh, you know google io they announced the instant app concept and originally, I didn't really see a whole lot of value in that because partially oh. the way they presented it, it didn't seem like a really strong use case. I uh, totally saw it as a way to rickroll somebody. <laughs> That's well. how you view everything, Sam, though. <laughs> how can I rickroll someone with this new technology? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bar. <laughs> I think where it starts to have value is in those like very you know one-off transaction types of experiences where um, you know if you... You know, checking into a hotel or boarding a flight, you don't necessarily need to have those apps on your phone all the time. But if you can, like, quickly, like, if you had NFC to do it, um, quickly, like, load up the app and and use it to board your flight or whatever, um, rather than, you know, downloading a whole app and always having it installed. Um, So I, I think those, like, very infrequent kind of transactional or marketing experiences could be interesting, almost would negate the need to build... Um, mobile web apps if you already had an Android and iOS app. Yeah, it does It does very much help tear down that app wall. Yeah, who, I mean, who wants to download a 50 megabyte app to do to open your hotel door when you're going to be at a different hotel in, you know, three months later and it's going to be another app? I've got so many dumb apps like that on my phone that I never use. It's like, well, I downloaded it one time and had to use it, but... Yeah, there's not... You know, I, I typically will download some apps I'm going to be using, move them to my front screen, and then once I'm done with them, they're gone. See, they just languish on, because I, I find everything by uh, 
spotlight. So yeah, unless it's on my main screen. So I've got like 15 pages of apps that <laughs> I use like one time. It yes. sucks whenever I restore from a backup because I have to re-download all of them. Mm-hmm. Spotlight is the ultimate springboard. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a feature that I'm like desperately wishing Apple would steal from Google, but it's yeah, I could see see the value of it. It it wouldn't be a bad thing. And there's some some uh, like retailers, for example, that probably wouldn't bother creating an app because it's such a infrequent shopping experience. Like, you know, how often do you buy sunglasses? You know, probably once every year and a half at most. So, you know, a retailer like that wouldn't bother to have a mobile app, but, you know, with something like the Instant app, you could make it a little bit more useful and less painful for, for the rare occasions people do want to come in and, um, you know, pay with their phone or um, yeah, you know, do some sort of in-store experience. Part of making that work, though, is going to require not having to download a, a 10 megabyte Swift runtime or however big it is. I know, I know it's not small. Yeah. And, you know, app thinning and all these things in some ways, or you could say that there's some motivation from Apple to like, they've already been thinking about doing this because, you know, they announced app thinning last year and, um, BitCode and all these things that they're putting in place. So they could be prepping for that type of experience. Yeah, right. it'd be cool if the Swift package manager would like not include all the libraries you needed. So you only would have to download, uh, you know, the Swift three runtime once, and then any app that needed it could be like, "Hey, I just need Swift three runtime," and if you already got it, then you're good to go. Yeah, if if you're able to share things like that. So I'm not sure what other libraries it would be useful with, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of Apple, yeah. Yeah. Or inside Apple, I should say. Yeah, it seems like a big security threat if you're going to let any SPM library do that. But Yeah, unless you uh, start code signing your frameworks to upload to a site somewhere. Which doesn't seem like a horrible thing. No, I mean, that's that's the way a lot of things work. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I heard the rumor, too, about uh, a dark mode for iOS. Uh, I'm not a dark mode user interface guy i mean i like my xcode windows the text to be dark but everything else is pretty much a light screen for me but i could see it being interesting yeah the only time i use dark mode is when i accidentally activate it in tweetbot with by whatever the crazy gesture is and i can't remember how to get it back into regular mode (laughs) (laughs) yeah there are there are a lot of people though that they're definitely fanatics about dark mode yeah if nothing else it gives you this alternative experience kind of makes things look fresh again right and maybe that'll be a good excuse for a lot of apps to go and refresh their ui a bit yeah so you know kind of sum it up i don't think we're really expecting anything terribly revolutionary uh at least nothing that we haven't already heard about (laughs) um you know with ios 10 you know we are on the 10th release so you know there's smaller and smaller room for innovation and uh you know I, you know we'll probably have the usual suspects like updates to some of the game frameworks and iCloud and you know you know stack views version 2 but probably nothing too too revolutionary a, a stack scroll view that would be nice <laughs> hey, if we could if we could actually lay things out in interface builder with auto layout in a scroll view and oh. not spend hours trying to get the warnings to go away then that would be a big improvement yeah I think you need to go dream some more. Yeah. There's, there's an operating system somewhere that you don't have to do that. I don't know where it is, but 
uh, Android's linear layout is a little bit more um, expressive, I suppose. You know, you don't have to think about yeah. that. It just does it. True. Um, I mean, this is probably, this is the first year with Phil Schiller, or since Phil Schiller's been handed the reins of the App Store. You know, maybe we'll finally see update pricing and some improvements like that that uh, folks have been asking for for the last several years, but definitely not holding my breath on that either. No, he's going to be like, what, I got you 24-hour turnaround, and you want upgrade pricing too? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it could be interesting to see what if he does something wild, upgrade pricing or trials, but... I'm just happy enough right now with the the app turnaround times. Yeah, yeah, it's been a huge improvement. I was starting to get worried today because I submitted an app and I was expecting it to get reviewed same day because it did two days ago. So I uh, was starting to get nervous when it got to the end of the day and <laughs> it hadn't been reviewed <laughs> yet. But it did finally, like after I got home, I checked again and it, it went into review right away and, and then improved. So it's... Uh, definitely changing the way I operate and reduces the anxiety quite a bit because now you can be more responsive as long as we can count on that. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be a ongoing position or if we're just in some weird limbo state and the calm before the storm. (laughs) They they could have just staffed up for something big. It's true. I was like, oh, it's going to (laughs) be... We're not letting any updates now that don't have um, uh, transport security enabled and Bitcode and <laughs> all these things. So they're expecting a huge, you know, everybody's got to update their apps now. Or maybe, I'm waiting you know, for the They're Bitcode just not hammer. going to work anymore on iOS 10. iOS 10 is just not going to allow anything that doesn't do that. Yeah. I'm waiting for the Bitcode hammer. It's one of the reasons I really haven't explored Go on mobile platforms very much because they don't support Bitcode and have no intention to really because it's a LLVM thing. Yeah, and I've almost have always had to turn Bitcode off because of some third-party library. Yeah, usually <laughs> Google-related, but um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Hopefully by now those have been updated, but yeah, you know, it's usually those third-party libraries holding me back more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So we should make a little announcement that since both Argo and I are going to be at WWDC next week, that we won't be recording an episode. So we're going to miss a week. We'll miss you guys. But we figure you guys already have 10 billion other podcasts you listen to that talk about the keynote. So you'll you'll get your fill of those, I'm sure. Not yeah. to mention, you know, probably 50, 60 hours worth of videos yeah. uh, to stream. So. Yeah, You'll and plenty of news to keep up with. We'll we'll definitely come back and give our firsthand impressions of both AltConf and the Apple conference, and also so just be on the lookout for us. We have a we'll be wearing our shared instance T-shirts that we got in today. They're gray with a nice big old orange shared instance logo, the new logo, not the old crappy one I made. So be look out for us and say hi. Argo will buy you a beer, maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sam's going to reimburse me. <laughs> if we're just going to start throwing stuff out here, it sounds like a good plan. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun just to meet people. Yeah, so say hi to us. We don't bite except for Sam. Um, but yeah. yeah, there's not that much going on this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. So uh, last year around this time, we did our WWDC survival guide. Uh, I was. We'll put a link to it in the show notes if you if you're curious 
you know, about some of our hints or tips from previous uh, WWDCs. But I was wondering if you guys had uh, anything that you wanted to add new knowledge since then. Well, don't go to uh, Moscone West on Monday to register. <laughs> That's new. Or Sunday, right? Or stand, in, uh, or stand in line or for Sunday. the keynote at Moscone. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I really don't know how the lines are going to work at Bill Graham. So it, it may be too late unless you have like a you know same day Amazon Prime. Although you could probably have it delivered to you in uh, San Francisco if you wanted. But I found this cool new device. Uh, it's Maybe it's like six months or a year old or something. It's called a Hutu. Have you guys heard of that? A what? Hutu. Is that the African tribe? It is a combined um, Wi-Fi hotspot and a device charger. Yeah. So uh, it's it's only like 40 bucks. And basically you can hook it up to your hotel Wi-Fi uh, or whatever Wi-Fi you have. Uh, you can even do like the captive login thing to get it activated and then you can connect as many devices as you want to it and it shares that wi-fi connection does it broadcast as free public wi-fi <laughs> well you still have to there's a password for it so i know it wouldn't I'm be kidding. for everybody <laughs> but uh real quick a little real-time follow-up that was our may 28th episode it's sharedinstance.com slash 15 episode 15 yeah so so if you want to hook your devices up in San Francisco, and you don't want to pay for like five different Wi-Fi passes, depending on how your hotel does things. Check that thing out, and it's also a ten thousand milliamp hour uh, battery thing too. So, yeah, link to that. We'll have, we'll have a link to that in the show notes, right? Yeah. All right. So, do you guys want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? And you can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo, and I'm at Sam Quarter. The podcast is at Shared Inst. Come meet up with us in our chat, our Slack chat. It's uh, chat.sharedinstance.com. And if you happen to be going to Dub Dub next week, specifically join the uh, WWDC channel in there. And say hi. We can uh, arrange a little meetup time if you want, or find some place where you're eating lunch. See you guys next week. Safe travels to everybody that's out there and going to the conference. Talk to you Bye. later. Later.